Everyone say Christianity. We've been talking the last few weeks about Christianity, and we started with referencing clear Christianity, clear Christianity. Now, sometimes people will say, Pastor Micah, you know, I don't understand everything Greek and Hebrew. I haven't been to seminary. And they'll begin to list all the different things, and they'll say, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't always understand. Sometimes I leave more confused at, at different times in my life. And so we, we started the series, maybe you were like that, maybe you have a past history or religious background to where you were like, I didn't really get anything out of it, they, they, they were talking, I didn't understand. I, I think it's important that we don't stray from the simplicity, the Bible says. And so we started the series just talking about clear Christianity. We talked about Jesus, his kingdom, the Christos, uh, what, what is the messages they preached early in the book of Acts for the early church. The second week, we talked about commissioned Christianity with missionary Dan Arcy. We talked about how God wants to use all of us, salt and light, uh, the great commission, go and spread the good news of Jesus. Week three, we talked last weekend about convenient Christianity, and we ripped pages out of a pretend Bible, um, <laughs> and uh, some people quit the church, uh, just, just kidding. Um, but we talked about how if we're, if we're not careful, we make Christianity convenient. And so we only want to read certain parts of the Bible or we want it to always match our preferences and our opinions. But that's not how this works. We don't get to pick and choose. It's not convenient Christianity. This week, as we close the series, we want to talk about committed Christianity. Committed. What's it look like to be a committed Christian? So can we say those words together Committed Christianity. Say it one more time. Committed Christianity. I want to reference some of our message today through the lens of wedding vows. And so as I hold this ring in my hand, we talk about for better, for worse, and richer, poor, and sickness, and health. And I want to draw your attention to the line from this day forward. From this day forward, what does it look like to commit from this day forward? Or if you've ever been around vow renewals, when people say after five or 10 or 20 or 50 years, I, I really want to renew my vows, I want to recommit. I want us to take those principles and apply it to our relationship with God. Are you committed to Christ? Do you need to recommit in some areas of your life? Uh, do you want to? Decide like right now in this moment, I want to be a committed Christian. I heard the joke about the husband and wife. The wife's name was Susie. Susie's husband has actually been slipping in and out of a coma for several months. She stays by his bedside every single day. He actually had been incoherent but came to... And when he came to, and she is in the room, he motions to Susie to come over to his bedside. As she sat beside him, he began to tell her very faintly and somewhat weak, he began to tell her, he said, you've been with me through all the bad times. When I broke my leg, you were there. When my business went bankrupt, you were there. When, when we lost the house, you gave me support. Now when my health is failing, you're still by my side. 
He said, I'm starting to think you're bad luck. <laughs> That's not funny. As we talk about commitment today, the spectrum could be very wide of where you would find yourself on commitment. You could say, Pastor Mike, I've been clean for four days, or Mike, I've been married for two years. Or you may say, you know, I, I've been following Jesus for 50 years. You can have all kinds of ranges of commitment, but as we talk today, I want you to put yourself in the passage. I want you to, to find yourself where you're at in this season of life and determine what does commitment look like for you? What does recommitment look like for you today? Statistics say that out of thousands of American gym members, these studies have found that 63% of memberships go completely unused. Maybe today you're one of the people that has padded those statistics. You have helped with those studies. I heard the joke about the man who said, I hate, I hate when I'm running on the treadmill for half an hour and I look down and I see that it's only been four minutes. <laughs> I heard the joke about the lady that said, I just burned 2,000 calories. That's the last time I leave the brownies in the oven while I take a nap. I heard the joke about the man in his 60s who asked the trainer at the gym, what machine should I use to impress a 30-year-old woman? Personal trainer looked at him and said, I recommend the ATM. Not funny. I did love this one. Someone was joking about their first trip back to the gym. They said, my first workout back at the gym was great. I did 15 minutes of cardio, 10 minutes on the defibrillator, three days in the hospital. <laughs> As we talk about commitment today, I want to preface our time together by saying that we're inundated in our culture with the mindset of cancel anytime. Cancel anytime. Places, companies, businesses have gone to no contract, no strings attached. There's nothing to tie you down. Hulu Plus says when you sign up for their service, I'm quoting, unlike regular cable services, there's no fussy contracts. I'm drawn to this line, if for any reason, if for any reason you want to cancel your subscription, you can do it without even calling the cable company. And, but I, that line, if for any reason you want to cancel, if for any reason you want to cancel. The Cinemark, the Cinemark Movie Rewards Program has this line, that they want to offer convenience with no commitment. Convenience with no commitment. I think our culture can begin to create a mindset that commitment 
is control. That if you commit to something, that somehow means that people are controlling you and I'm not going to be controlled. And so we avoid commitment. We create what I would call conditional commitment. Conditional commitment. That if this can be for better or better, richer or richer, health and more health, good times and more good times, all ups and never a down, then I'm in. I commit. But if there's ever tough times or things I don't agree with, then I'm out. Take your ring. I was reminded even this week of the time that the guy did that in my office. The ring is still somewhere in a desk drawer or something. He never did come back. He's in a meeting, mad at his wife and what she's done, and in his moment of emotion and frustration, he takes this ring, throws it towards me in the office, slams the door, says he's out of there, and he really has. He's not been back. And the ring is still somewhere in my office, uh, which I don't really want it. Um, but there's something about like, 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 go, get gone, I'm, I'm done. My message today is not about really marriage and gym and, and not really about that necessarily. It's just about the spirit of, of it, about the principle when it comes to your faith. When it comes to your spirituality, is conditional commitment going to affect every area of your life? You cannot conquer. I've heard it said that you cannot conquer what you are not committed to. I want to press pause as we talk about commitment to celebrate some people who have shown commitment. I'm sure there are many, but but a few faces and names that we could reference. Greg and Sally Kibler, Junior and Regina Powers, Don and Jackie Aliyah. These families have been committed to StorySide since day one, coming up on 17 years. There are many other names like Bryce and Sarah Smith and Dave and Patsy Hersner and Julie Hinklin and the list goes on of people that have been with StorySide for years and years and years. When we started, it was called City Church. I would have been in my late 20s. My wife is four years younger than me. When I look back and I realize and and revisit some of the decisions and choices, I don't know in a lot of those seasons if I would have wanted my own self as a pastor. You're trying to learn. There's things you look back and say, I would change that. I would do that differently. You know, and I know they say you live and learn but the reality is that there are a lot of people that didn't have to stay. They, did, they, didn't, have to, they didn't have to stick with StorySide or what was City Church, but I'm glad they did because we are here today because people were committed to the cause, the vision, the purpose, and they didn't stop. And so we celebrate commitment today. Jay and Sarah. Sarah helps 
uh, oversee some of the usher side of story side. Her and Jay have been committed in marriage for almost 20 years. Paul and Rebecca Stover married 29 years. Dave and Patsy, Patsy on our prayer team. Dave oversees a lot of outreach and a motorcycle ministry and things. Dave and Patsy have been committed in marriage for 58 years. If you see Tom and Nancy, Tom's always wearing his Green Bay Packers jacket. They have been married for 63 years. Pastor Kristen, our worship pastor, also a location pastor here, she crushed the statistic of people who don't show up to the gym or quit quickly. She's actually been there for three and a half years, uh, day in, day out, getting up early, going to evening classes, and when you see the weight she's lifting, none of us on staff would mess with her. Uh, Commitment. Lisa Black has been committed to her job for 10 years uh, in January. Mike Davis has been committed to his job for 22 years. Commitment. You say, Pastor Micah, what do I do with this subject of commitment? Maybe it's where you're wanting to commit to be more pure in your mind or heart. I had a gentleman tell me today, Pastor Micah, I don't want to be tied in. There's a certain addictive behavior, certain habits. And he said, I I don't want to do that. I don't want to be part of that no more. I want to draw your attention to that one line again from this day forward. What decision can you make today? It doesn't matter if you're on marriage five. It doesn't matter if, if you are struggling up to this point. It doesn't matter if you say this has always ran in my family you know, and, and great-grandpa and grandpa. But, but what can you do from this day forward? So as we talk about commitment, recommitment, and some of you that need to stay committed, what are some areas that you and I need to commit to? The first would be that I would challenge all of us that we need to have a commitment to Christ. A commitment to Christ. Romans 10.13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't, you don't become saved by being religious. You don't write a check for it. You don't pay for it. You don't know someone that knows someone that gets you in. You call on the name of the Lord. His name is Jesus. You call on, on, on Jesus from a state of sin. So you don't need a Savior unless you acknowledge sin. Right? You don't need saved if you don't think you're lost. So when you look at scriptures in Romans, it says all have sinned. Or the psalmist said we're born in iniquity or sin. And you realize I am lost. I am in darkness. I am not saved. On my own, I'm messing everything up. You call on Jesus And Jesus, when you repent, that means you turn. When you repent from your sin, you turn from your sin. Jesus will save you. You become a follower of Jesus Christ. You go from darkness to light. You go from sin to being saved. You go from dirty. The Bible would talk about the the consequence or the ramification of sin. 
The Bible says he takes all of that, forgives you, puts it in the sea of forgetfulness, and you become a new creation. Is there anyone today that is thankful for salvation? Are you glad it's a free gift? From that point forward, you then commit to following Christ. You commit by saying, I want to be baptized. I want to take this inward decision, and I want to let the whole world know. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I want to be baptized and follow Jesus. You display through being salt and light, the Bible would call it, but your outward actions, you let everybody know, I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. The Bible says that Christ himself would encourage people, that those who endure to the, to the end. So we celebrate the start, right? The Bible says when someone repents, heaven rejoices. We celebrate here. You know, people will make a decision for Christ and we'll say, story side, let's celebrate the greatest decision they'll make. The person that wants to follow Jesus will clap, will applaud. We believe we're partnering with heaven in celebrating that decision. But you don't get saved and saved again and saved the next week and saved again after that. Once you're saved, you go on a faith journey to where you begin to grow spiritually. You begin to grow in your faith with the goal being that you want to endure to the end. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.9, receiving the end, the end of your salvation, even the salvation of your soul. Hebrews 10.39 says, surely we are not going to be men who cower back and are lost, but men who maintain their faith until the salvation of their souls is complete. The King James Version would say, we are not of those who draw back under perdition or damnation or destruction, but we are of those who believe to the saving of the soul. So as we start today by talking about commitment, I think it's such a an important piece of our lives to say, I'm committed to Christ. Not just a one-time commitment. I have committed to following Jesus. You say, well, Pastor Micah, what if, what if times get tough? I'm committed to Jesus. What about if I don't understand everything that's happening in my life? What if his ways and thoughts are higher than mine and Sometimes I'm like, what's God up to? I'm still going to follow Jesus. Well, well what, about, what about if all my friends don't go with me? What about family, Thanksgiving, Christmas, people poke fun, call me a Jesus freak? What, what if people close to me, if they say I'm wasting my time and I'm a weirdo? And why are you? Well, well, even if none go with me, still I... Still I will follow, no turning back, no turning back, because I have decided to follow Jesus Christ. This is not Hulu. This is not Cinemark. This is not no strings attached. 
This is a commitment for better, for worse. For richer, for poor. I know it's symbolic, but I want you to let your mind go there. It's a commitment that I made a choice, I made a decision, and I'm not going to let anyone or anything stop me from making it to the end and hearing, well done. Our second commitment, we commit to Christ, I believe. The second commitment, we commit to the church. We are, you and I, we are the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. God loves the church. People will say, people will say, I love God, I hate the church. You can't hate his bride. I know the church is not perfect because you and I are in it. Right? (laughs) We ruined it. But the church is God's plan A. He gave himself for the church. The Bible says he loved the church and gave himself for it. He said the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against the church. There is a big wedding. If you've ever been a part of a wedding, there's a big wedding. It's going to be when the bride of Christ comes together with Jesus Christ. We are the bride. There is going to be a feast or a marriage supper. There's going to be a celebration. Without spot, without wrinkle, you and I ought to commit to the church. We ought to want to grow and build the church. Jesus right now is building the church. He said in in Scripture, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is God's idea. God uses His church to develop our faith. The church is a place where we get healthy relationships. It's a place where we're encouraged. Just this week, multiple families that have said, Pastor Micah, Jana telling me, Pastor Micah, so I'm texting her and her husband. Jana's in Indiana. Her mom had died. Or Shane and Kim. I prayed with Shane today. And Shane telling me that two days ago, he's, he's watching his dad take his last breaths and, and die. And today, tears and prayers and hugs. Today, as, as the church family comes together, I'm hugging and praying for Leslie and her husband Scott as she's dealing with some sickness and doctor's reports, and we're believing for God's continued strength and help and healing for that family, and the list goes on, but the reality is there's certain things that happen when we're together that do not take place when we're alone. It happens because we bear one another's burdens. We believe together. We worship together. We pray together. We praise together. We cry together. We are God's great church We ought to commit to the church. Matthew 18 says, For where two or three gather together as my followers, so we commit to following Christ. When we come together, he said, I'm there with them. Hebrews 10.25, Philip's translation says, You should not stay away from church meetings, as some are doing, 
but you should meet together and, and encourage each other. So when we come to church, there are things that we can give, our time, our talent, our treasure. You might hold a door open and smile. You might be the one praying for that family. You might be the one encouraging that family, giving a hug to someone who needs it. But there's also moments where you are getting. You are getting encouragement. You are getting renewed. You are getting restored. It's both. You receive, but you also give when you are in settings like the church. The third thing that I believe we should commit to, so we have Christ, the church. The third is I believe we should commit to the cause or the cause that's on our own personal life. You can commit to Christ. You can commit to the church. But there are times that you can get confused with your course. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, Paul said, I fought a good fight. I have finished, not generalized, not the. He said, my. My course. And how often we could say, why, why am I working here? Why did I get stuck here? I don't know if I like the school I'm in. If I like the subdivision, the apartment building, the condo. Because it can get confusing when you're questioning, why does God have me where he has me? What's the purpose of this? What's the plan? Because when we reference God's ways and thoughts higher than ours, we reference those things There are times that all of us, if we were honest, would admit that certain things happen that don't always make sense to us. I stand here today, I don't have all the answers. I don't understand it in my own life. I look back, sometimes in hindsight you see things more clearly, but I look back even at several accidents in my life. I I look at my carcinoid tumor, I look at getting rear-ended by the semi, I look at some of those situations where... Since some of those accidents and times in my life, I've had two different families reach out to me, nurses, people that I met during that that were taking care of me, but we met, we talked, they're children, we prayed together. Now they download the app, they listen to the podcast, they'll message me and tell me how much this scripture or message has helped them. Well, in the moment, sometimes you can ask why. You can think, why is this happening? Why is this going on? Why me? And then months or years, or for some of us, it'll be an eternity that we will be able to look back and say, oh, that's what God was up to because we don't always see him working things together for good, saying, I need you on that job. I need you in that school. I need you in that subdivision. I need you in that conversation. I need you in this season. And we don't always understand what God's doing in our lives And we can get frustrated and want to quit because of the course we're on. What would happen today if you committed to the course? What would happen today if you would tell God, if you would tell Jesus Christ today, God, use me. If there's something on this team, if there's something in in this locker room, if there's something on this job, in this workplace, if there's something in this relationship, relationship, here's my hands, here's my feet. I want you to use me, God, 
however that you feel to use me, commit to the course. This is not always an easy one. This is not always an easy one to commit to the course. We commit to Christ, commit to the church, commit to the course. Sum it all up by saying that commitment is not always easy. Can we say that together? Commitment is not always easy. As we get ready to pray today, I want to close with the timeline of one follower of Christ. His name is Simon Peter. I want to give you some snippets of his story, some snippets of Simon's story. And I want to show you I want to show you what real life can look like sometimes. I've had people that have told me, Pastor Micah, I thought when I gave my life to Christ, everything would get better, perfect, no problems, never an issue. I've had people that have told me that. Like, I thought, I thought when I committed to Christ, everything was perfect. That's not true. Just because you commit to Christ and commit to his church, that doesn't always mean that you never have a low point or you never have a valley or you never have an attack. When you look at Simon's story, John 1 is where it starts. Verse 41 and 42, the first thing Andrew did was go and find his brother Simon And Andrew said to Simon, I have found the Messiah. Then Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon. It will be Cephas or Peter. I love, this is some of my favorite verses in the Bible, these verses right here. Because I'm so grateful for Andrews. Every time I read it, I'm always reminded of how thankful I am for Andrew. Someone who invited, someone who prayed, someone who texted, someone who posted on social media, someone who said, hey, come with me. Why don't you try it out? Is there anything I can pray for you for? And some people will do that two, three, four, five, six, seven times to where Simon can actually get a little bit frustrated. I've met Simons before that was like, the only reason I'm here is because my mom wouldn't stop bugging me. I've had people tell me, the only reason I'm even here is because my spouse wouldn't leave me alone, and I told him, if I go, will you just get off my back? But I have to pause today just say I'm thankful for Andrew because there's a lot of Simons who experience the goodness of God because Andrew wouldn't give up on them. And I love the next verse. So Andrew does his part. Then I love the verse where it simply says, Jesus said, you are, but you will be. Isn't that awesome? You are, you are Simon, but you will be. Because that's the gospel. He meets us. Cody meets us in that place of brokenness or like, where do I go? And it could be anything. It could be our mind, our heart, our marriage, our future. And we're like, I don't know what to do. God's grace shows up, his love shows up, his mercy shows up, and and he tells us, this is where you are, and this is where I'm going to take you. Is there anyone that's thankful today that he doesn't leave you where he finds you? But he says, you're here, but I'm going to take you here. 
And they get the following Jesus book at the black tent. And Simon is invited to grow. Come on, I just want you to imagine it with me. And let's go, Simon. Let's follow Jesus. And there's some great things that happen. Matthew 16. Jesus is going to hear Simon say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is going to be amazed in the moment and say, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell won't prevail. And this is what he tells Simon. You are blessed, Simon. No one taught you that. My Father in heaven, my Father in heaven showed you who I am. How great is it when heaven is talking to humanity? How great is it when you are so sensitive to the Spirit? You. You're so sensitive to the Spirit that God is like, hey, pay for their groceries. Why don't you pick up their bill? A couple right over there. God is telling you, ma'am, right here, I I want you to go and pray for that lady three rows back. And you don't know the moment you pray for them, tears begin to stream down their cheeks, and you're like, wow, it's so great that God is using me. I'm so sensitive to the Spirit. Don't you love when God is like, I mean, it's not one of those moments where you're like, I don't feel anything, I don't know anything. But you just know, like right now, I feel like there's some type of a direct connection with heaven. What an awesome moment for Simon Peter to hear Jesus say, My Father's telling you those things. Mark chapter 5. There's a dad. I have four kids. There's a dad whose daughter's sick. Name is Jairus. The heart of a parent, those of you that are parents or guardians, you know what you would do for your child. Jairus is trying to get Jesus, please come to my house. My daughter's sick. And in the moment of the crowd and a woman with an issue of blood, in the the middle of all of that, these people come from Jairus' house and they tell him, "Don't, don't trouble the master. Don't bother or bug Jesus. Your daughter's dead. The Bible says, Mark chapter 5, that Jesus did not care what the men said. He said to the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, just believe. And in this moment, I want you to think about this. In this moment, there's a crowd, there's people at Jairus' house, there's mourners, we're told in that stretch of Scripture, there's people everywhere, and Jesus is like, you, you come with me, you come with me. Not only is it Jairus' house, but damn, we also see it with the mountain. He, he's going to have Moses and Elijah It's going to be such a spiritual moment where Christ is conversing with men that people physically felt like was dead hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And in these moments, Peter gets an invite. How great is it when for whatever reason, God's like, I want to use you. Peter, you come with me. Peter's in the room. When Jesus, to this little girl, this Talitha Kumai, 
damsel or daughter, I say unto thee, arise. Peter's in the room. The fact is that not every day following Jesus is days like that. I would love to wake up every day and be like, all right, let's go to the mountaintop. Let's go to Jairus' house. Okay, Father, just tell me. Revelatory thoughts, just sensitive to the Spirit. I wish every day was like that. I wish I could take vows that said, good times and good times, feeling great and feeling even better, till death do us part. But I know it's not always like that. Because the same guy, Simon Peter, had moments like this. John 18, 10. Simon Peter had a sword, which he pulled out. He struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Think about this as we get ready to pray. In the heat of the moment, Simon Peter's sword slices off an ear. This ear goes flying onto the ground. And Jesus reaches down, picks up the ear, Malchus's ear, it's his name, picks up the ear, puts it back on Malchus's head. How many times in your life has Christ had to pick up the pieces? Because you made a mess and you done something stupid and silly and you should not have acted that way in the moment, but God was willing to reach down and pick up your mess and your mistake and things that you and I done and fix it. But it's not just that. Mark 14 says, Jesus is praying. Such an important moment in time. He's wrestling with the purpose of God on his life. And Christ, who is sweating, who's interceding, goes back to his followers. And he finds them sleeping. And he says to... I'm drawn to this because it's not just Peter that's there, but the Bible calls Peter by name. He goes back and he says to Peter, Simon, why? Why are you sleeping? Could you not stay awake with me for one hour? Now put yourself in the passage. Put yourself in the passage today. All the times in our lives that God would say, Micah, you couldn't forgive them? Maybe it's not stay awake to pray, but put yourself in the passage all the times that God's like, you couldn't do that, Tim? Like, Deb, I needed you in the moment. Carol, Eric, you couldn't, you couldn't tithe, you couldn't sacrifice, you couldn't let it go. You couldn't go the second mile, you, you, you couldn't do that. You couldn't commit. Peter,
I've not always done what God hoped I would do. Luke chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. They were told to cast the nets. They're busting and breaking. The fishermen are all amazed. The many fish they caught. When Simon Peter saw this, because he had questioned at the start, when he saw this, he bowed down before Jesus and said, Go away from me, Lord. Have you ever felt this way before? Have you ever felt like I'm just going to turn the car around because I don't even want to go today? Have you ever felt like that's awesome that everyone else can raise their hands and worship, but, but I don't even feel like I'm good enough to raise my hand right now? If you knew the week, the day, if you knew Micah, have you ever felt like Simon Peter here? Just go away. That's great for everyone else, but I am such a mess. He says, I'm a sinful man. Yeah, but what about you are and you will be? What about Jairus' house, Simon Peter? What about the mountaintop? What about the Father talking to you and spiritually sensitive? The same guy. Matthew 16, 23. And Jesus said to Peter, Get away from me, Satan. You are not helping me. Oh, you want to talk about a gut punch? Like, like, like I like when God tells me, I like when God tells me keys to the kingdom. I like when God tells me I'm going to build a church and I get to be part of it. I like when God tells me, uh, you, you come with me. You want to talk about a gut punch when God says that I'm hurting what he's trying to accomplish. You're actually hurting me. You're not helping. We close the timeline of his story with Simon Peter observing Christ as he's getting ready to head to Calvary. There's a fire, there's pressure from people, there's a damsel, a young girl, that's questioning, I think I recognize you, I think I know you. The Bible says in verse 74 of Matthew 26, then Peter began to curse and to swear, I do not know the man just then, the rooster crowed. Peter lies. He lies. He denies. He's reminded. He has remorse. The Bible says he weeps bitterly. He goes back to a boat. As we get ready to pray today, here's, here's what I need you to be reminded of. That you can't let a bad day a bad week, a bad month, a, a bad mistake, a bad decision, a bad choice, fill in the blank, whatever that is for you, a bad cut off Malchus's ear, a bad go away from me, I'm a sinful man. You can't let that stop you from staying committed. I, I, I know you want to say, I know you want to say, for better or better, in health and in health, on the mountaintop or the mountaintop, 
when he answers my prayer and answers more of my prayer when it's favor and more favor. I know you want to say that, but sometimes you need to say, when I don't feel like it and when I don't got it together and when I feel like it's falling apart and when I don't think, you, you put one foot, come on, Peter, you put one foot in front of the next foot, the most important step is your next step. Your next step. Simon Peter goes back to the boat. He's so done. Everything going through his mind. You're not helping me. Get behind me, Satan. Why are you always messing things up? Why are you always getting in the way? No wonder he wanted to quit. Maybe you've had some of those thoughts where you're like, I'm done with all of this. Can I tell you today, Christianity's not convenient. It's not easy. It's not like every day's like, whoa, high five, five people. Some days it's a walk of faith. Some days it's like, I'm going to keep going even if I'm not feeling it. While he's back at a boat, you know who comes looking for him? Jesus. Jesus. John 21, 17, a third time Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was, say it with me, Peter was, he was sad, sad. Why? Why is he sad? Come on, revelatory Peter. Come on, hear from heaven, Peter. Come on, I'm going to build my church, Peter. Why are you sad? Feel the Holy Spirit Even sharing it with you, he's sad because Jesus had to keep asking him, do you love me? He said, you know I love you. You know I love you. Maybe you see yourself in Simon's story. Maybe you have some of those days. But is there anyone grateful today that God doesn't give up on you just because you give up on Him at times? Are you grateful that God keeps coming after you and keeps loving you? The Bible says height, depth, past, present, future. There is nothing and no one that can separate you from the love of God. Acts chapter 1, verse 13, Jesus is resurrected, ascension to heaven, but he tells them, he tells them, you want power? You want to build my church? You want to witness? Go to Jerusalem. Heaven is coming to the hearts of humanity. Verse 13, I've read this so many times, but it jumped out to me in a new way. When they entered the city, they went to the upstairs room where they were staying. These are the ones who were there. First name, first slot, first person mentioned. There's 120 and 3,000 later in the chapter, but the first one on the list, you made it. I know you cut an ear off. I know you cussed and you swore and you went back to a boat. I know that you felt like you wanted to quit, but you made it. You made it, Simon Peter. You were and you shall be. Not telling you today you need to cut anyone's ear off or I'm just telling you today that I don't know that I've ever met when people say, you know, church is full of people who have issues and church is full of absolutely. I've not met a perfect person yet. 
Simon Peter needs a Savior. Simon Peter needs the Holy Spirit. Simon Peter needs renewed and restored. Simon Peter needs the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. And so do you and I. The good news is committed Christianity, that this isn't just about Simon Peter committing to Jesus. This is a two-way street to where Jesus is committed to Simon Peter. Calls it covenant. The song that we're going to sing says this, I never would have made it. I never could have made it without you. I'd have lost it all. See, Simon Peter doesn't make it to Acts chapter 1. There's 120 and they are. Peter, Dan Reynolds doesn't make it to this point in time because Dan Reynolds. Debbie doesn't make it because of Debbie. Hear my heart today. Rick doesn't. The Campbells don't make it because the Campbells had enough gift and talent and ability. Simon Peter makes it. Because Jesus, let me put that ear back here for a second. Because Jesus comes to a boat. Do you love me? Do you love me? And maybe he's doing that for you right now. Maybe he's coming to your heart. Maybe he's coming to your life right now telling you, come on, recommit. Let's have a vow renewal. Are you still in? Are you still with me? Maybe God is doing that for you right now today. Whether you need to commit for the first time. Whether you need to recommit, you want to tell God, I want to stay committed. Right now, in this moment, this holy moment, I'm asking if you would just take your ring. Will you take it? Just hold it in your hand. Can we close our eyes all over the room? Some of you may even want to hold your ring up just with eyes closed all over the room. Is that how you feel today? I would have never made it without him. I never made it without him. How you were there for me, and I can say I never would have made it. Can you just tell him thank you right now? If he's ever had to pick up the pieces in your life, would you tell him thank you? If he's ever had to come back and find you on a boat, you were ready to run. Would you tell him oh, thank you? If he's ever told I'm you to put away the sword, I'm if he's ever had to correct you because you weren't I'm helping, better. you were actually hurting, would you Much tell him thank you? Thank you for not giving up on when me, God. Let it come out of your mouth today. Thank you for not giving up on me, God. I'm not looking for convenient Christianity. Not looking for a way out. This is not Cinemark. It's not Hulu. This is my faith. And I'm committed. I'm committed, God. I recommit to you today. I recommit to you today.